the Raising the Bar podcast, brought to you by the Association of Gray's Inn Students. Hello and welcome to the Raising the Bar podcast. I am Nia Marshall. Today we are lucky to be joined by the president of the Association of Gray's Inn Students, affectionately known as Aegis, for the academic year 2020 to 2021, Nicholas Leah. Nick is the co-founder of the University of London Law Society and the Oxford Political Review, the latter of which he currently serves as the managing editor. He's also an LLM and bar course student at City Law School with scholarships from Gray's Inn and City University. Nick's impressive achievements include being awarded the following scholarships from Gray's Inn, Lord Justice Holker Scholarship, Elise Aylmer Edie Scholarship, and he's also a residential scholar. Now, the purpose of today's podcast is to introduce you to the president of Aegis. There will be a focus on his role as the president of Aegis, how Aegis can help students, his aspirations regarding what he hopes Aegis can achieve during this academic year, and his attainment of grades in scholarships and advice regarding successful applications. Now, Nick, thank you so much for joining. Thank you, Nia. It's great to be with you. Yeah, and I'm, I'm happy that our, our listeners will get an opportunity to, to meet you as well, because obviously we, we have a rapport from working on the committee together. So this is exciting. Now, could we start the podcast by you providing us with some information about your educational background? Absolutely, Nia. Well, just first of all, I'll say, you know, it's great to be with you. Um, I have been interviewing myself uh, different people throughout lockdown, uh, as you know, for the publication I manage. So it's quite strange to be on the other end answering questions, but really looking forward to this. And, and thank you for having me on the podcast. So in terms of my educational background, I suppose I, I've i studied for a long time. I've actually been a student now for seven continuous years, and I read history for five years before deciding to study the law uh, with a view to pursuing a career at the bar. But I'll just unpack that slightly and give you a sense of exactly what I've done in that time. So I spent three years studying as an undergraduate uh, at UCL in London, and I was studying history at UCL, and it was a broad history course covering topics from areas to do with the medieval papacy and the Templars, which I had an interest in, to areas like modern American history and the history of European empires and their relationship with different parts of the world. I then went on to do a two-year master's um, at Lincoln College, Oxford, where I focused on British and European history, particularly in the 18th century. And my research really looked at the role of lobbying groups and how they shaped British commercial policy and laws in the 18th century British Empire. So my Enfield thesis was on the Colonial Debts Act of 1732. Now, that might not sound very interesting, and I I confess that the, the name is quite prosaic, but... Ultimately, it was a really interesting measure uh, that changed the way that merchants in Britain collected their debts from merchants owed to them uh, in uh, North America and the West Indies, particularly tobacco and sugar merchants. And crucially, it was the Act of Parliament in the 18th century, which basically set the legal status of slaves. Now, given the George Floyd and Black Lives Matter protests that took place this summer, I thought it was a particularly pertinent time to try and um, put my research into the public sphere. So I was fortunate enough to publish it this summer. And uh, I really enjoyed uh, editing it again and, and revisiting uh, some of the material in light of what has been 
a very interesting time as nations in the world grapple with their colonial past. Uh, and after studying history, I decided to, uh, to go straight into the law conversion course at City University, the GDL. And uh, I completed that course just this summer. So I'm fresh out of the GDL and straight back into studying. And I'm now doing the bar course with upgraded modules to, to secure an LLM. So it's been seven years of studying and I'm almost there with my qualifications. But I have to say, I do enjoy being a student and I'm perhaps all too comfortable with it. Can we basically say, no, you're a professional student? <laughs> I, I, think, I think we can. I, I think um, I'm trying to uh, move beyond the student uh, realm and, and move into practice as, as soon as possible, really. But I have to say, I did consider uh, doing a, a doctoral study after my master's in history. And, uh, you know, it's, it's long been my passion, but having now completed a wide range of work experience in the law, and I'm very happy to talk about that uh, during this podcast, I've definitely decided that this is the career path that I want to go down and uh, I'm really excited to get started. Now, it's interesting you said you're excited to get started because we, we just had a brilliant background from you, including history. So how was mm -hmm. that transition from a non-legal discipline to a legal discipline? Can you describe that for us? Yes, absolutely. So, I mean, history and the law, uh, they do share a lot of qualities. In some ways, it's been quite a, an easy transition for me. Certainly, <laughs> when you consider the volume of reading that you have to do as a law student and also as an historian, uh, there, are, there are similarities there. You're often searching through reams and reams of, of information to try and find particular facts that, that suit your case or that support um, a particular argument that you're trying to make. So there's real similarity there. And I've, I've enjoyed using my research skills to, to good effect while studying the law. But there are there are differences, and I do think that in terms of my transition, I've I had to come to terms with a new way of thinking, almost, and a new way of doing things. I would say that where history is concerned with often the nuance or the complexity of things, um, the law can be more clinical uh, and rules oriented. That's not to say that there's not complexity in the law. Of course, there is. Uh, there are many complex problems to solve, but the law has a certain mathematical approach. So you have to reconfigure your mindset when you're, you're dealing with legal problems, because you certainly in, on the GDL year, I, I discovered that you treat problems as a, a sequence rather than a simple answer. You have to show you're working, as it were. And then the final thing I would say is, which I, I recently heard from my criminal litigation tutor, and I thought it was a really good way of describing how the law operates. And historians are, of course, trying to look for the truth in some way or something that approximates the truth. But lawyers are quite often interested really in proof, not the truth. And they need to use the right evidence to, uh, to convince the, the jury, the judge, whoever it is, uh, of the case that they're advocating. So there is an interesting interplay between history and law, but I definitely think that my, my background uh, as a history student has, has prepared me well for, for this career path. Now, that, that's interesting. And I, I do like that quote that you just provided us with from your <laughs> criminal litigation tutor. Yeah. So would you then say that, you know, that background in, in history prompted you then to pursue a career at the bar? Well, I, I should I should say that I've I've long wanted to 
become a lawyer and I, I I don't quite know where where that 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 you know this isn't an interview fortunately for for a pupillage or something but I'm trying to think exactly where that stems from I I, I probably blame my parents for uh, getting me into public speaking at a young age and uh, enjoying that and certainly I enjoyed performing when I was young I was uh, interested in acting and I've always enjoyed some sort of public speaking but uh, I should say that when I was an undergraduate, I considered the solicitor track because I was uh, based in London uh, at the time at a university that was really highly sought after by uh, employers in, in the commercial legal field. And I, I did do some what were called vacation schemes uh, during the summers to, to get an experience of, of that side of the law. And whilst I found it really interesting and uh, gaining exposure to different areas of commercial practice, I soon realized that actually what I really enjoyed, and I just mentioned it, was the public speaking side of things and, and also the autonomy that a career at the bar can afford you. Uh, so it was, it was really a, a combination of work experience and also trying to align my future career pursuits with the skill sets that I thought I was best suited to. And uh, having now done a number of mini pupilages um, and visited court on a number of occasions. You know, I really I enjoy the the environment of court, and uh, I feel that it's it's the best career path for, for my skill sets. Certainly, you know, we can definitely say that your current path has prepared you or equipped you to attaining those outstanding achievements that you did, and we we do know that you attained a GDL scholarship. Now, do you mind providing us with a brief description of, of your GDL scholarship? Yes, absolutely. Um, so obviously last year I studied the GDL for the 2019-2020 academic year. The scholarship, as you, as, you, as you read out at the start of this podcast, is called the Elise Aylmer ED Scholarship. And it's a particularly significant one because last year Grey's Inn introduced a number of new GDL scholarships to commemorate the centenary anniversary of the Sex Disqualification Removal Act 1919, which, amongst other things, allowed women to become solicitors, barristers, uh, magistrates, and so on. So it was a really important uh, piece of legislation. And um, I was very honoured to be, to be given a scholarship, not only a scholarship in, in general, but also one that was named after a distinguished um, female barrister uh, who was a member of Grey's. But the, the GDL scholarship is intended for those students who, uh, like myself, have not studied the law before and are embarking on uh, their law studies for the first time. And it's, it's there to give you support financially with the course that you take uh, and also to give you a, a sense of confidence that the inn is supporting you through the pursuit of your career. And as I said, I was really honoured and, and delighted to, to be the recipient of one of the scholarships last year. Definitely. So what, what does your scholarship or what did your scholarship entail in terms of the benefits? Mm -hmm. Well, there are two main things I would say. I, I mentioned one of them uh, just now, the obvious one is, of course, the financial benefits. Um, it, it, getting a scholarship from one of the inns of court allows you to pay off the costs, a large part of the costs of your GDL course. And that's important because there aren't many opportunities out there for uh, funding the GDL course. Um, I know that those who pursue the solicitor track often have funding given to them by training contract providers, the law firms that will support them through their training, but it's not as easy. 
uh, on the bar trap. But the inns of court are there uh, to, to give the support and uh, it goes a long way, the financial support. And the second thing is that the scholarship is something that really helps you get on with your legal pursuit of a career at the bar uh, because it's something that looks good on application forms for mini pupillages, for pupillages as well. And as I mentioned, it, it shows that the inn has confidence in you and is willing to to support you as you make your first steps towards a career at the bar. No, those definitely are some some outstanding benefits. Nick, I, I do know that you must have some wise words to share with our <laughs> listeners regarding the application process and any advice that you would give. Now, what would you say to any listeners um, who are maybe prospective applicants? Yes, well, absolutely. I'm, I'm always happy to to offer advice. And I have to say, I, I benefited myself from advice from others, those who had received scholarships from, from Brazen before. And it's always useful to, to listen to people about the process that they went through in previous years. But I really have three main pieces of advice uh, that I would offer. Uh, first of all, with relation to the application form, a word that comes to mind is, is management. And, and what I mean by that is the management of the application form. And what will happen is if you choose to apply to Grays, and of course, I hope and we all hope that you do, you'll notice that there are different questions and you'll have to discern what areas of your experience go into what different areas of the application. And that might sound straightforward, but there are certain areas where there's some degree of overlap. And part of the skill of an application is managing what evidence to use in one place uh, and what evidence to use somewhere else because something you want to avoid is repeating yourself or relying too heavily on uh, one piece of evidence. So management of the application is really important. The second thing I would say is is the word evidence and I've just mentioned it there but it's really really important. Uh, You can't just say I, I want to become a barrister or I want this scholarship. You have to support that. You have to substantiate it. You have to say why. Um, and usually at the stage I was at, certainly, that would be to do with the work experience, uh, perhaps, that you have, um, whether that be mini pupillages, uh, any judge marshalling that you might have done, any visits to your local court, even experience on the other side of the profession with, with solicitors. Um, it's all useful experience because it exposes you to the practice of the law, but you need to give tangible examples of why those experiences have shaped your decision to pursue a career at the bar and what you did. Um, It's important that you actually outline details of of what you did and what you learned, because quite often um, experiences can uh, be well more fulfilling than others, but you need to have taken something away from it. You know, no experience is uh, is bad experience, as, as someone once said. Um, the final thing that I would would say is that you need to be prepared uh, for the deadlines because it seems very obvious, but everyone at some point or another has let a deadline pass them by or has forgotten about a deadline or it just springs up and suddenly you've only got 48 hours. But it really matters in relation to scholarship applications for the ends of court because they are strict deadlines. You, you, can't, you can't extend them uh, unless... Uh, you know, there are really, really important mitigating circumstances, though I'm sure they would have to be substantiated with evidence. Uh, but you need to make sure that you know when the deadline is and you also notify uh, those that you intend to get references for in good time, because 
Quite often, they won't have the time to prepare a reference. These aren't easy things to do. Uh, referees have to take time to consider your, your application, how they know you, how long they've known you, and why it is that they are willing to give you the support that, they, uh, that you want from them. So I would say the three things that you should always have in the back of your mind before making an application for a scholarship at the ends of court is how to manage your application, make sure that you've got a, a wide range of evidence and make sure you keep an eye on the deadlines. Wise advice indeed, Nick. I didn't expect anything less at all. <laughs> now, you've given really great advice for the written stage of the application. How can students prepare for the interview stage? Yes, I mean, the interview is, is different. And um, it's important to, to remember that you should always go back to your application form when you're preparing for an interview, because what you've written down is obviously what first instance you're going to be asked about by the interviewers and the panel will want to know a little bit more from you about why you said what you did in your application form so i always say revisit the application form a few times and make sure you're comfortable with what you've said and you can make you know you can ensure that you're not you're not caught off guard with any questions uh, small details you may have put in there whether that be you know being fluent in some foreign language that actually you're not particularly fluent at and you you realize that actually it was a long time ago since you started speaking the language but you might get asked about that and it's terribly embarrassing if you don't actually have the <laughs> have the ability to to back it up so you need to make sure that what is in there is is at the forefront of your mind when you're going into the interview and and make sure you read up on any issues that you might have mentioned. But I'd also say that really an interview is an opportunity for the panel at Gray's Inn and the other inns to, to get to know you and to get to know why you're interested in this career. And so don't be afraid to be honest. And if you are, you know, you are someone who really doesn't feel like they've, you know, actually been able to get a lot of experience to this point, but you are trying, you're actively seeking to, to get experience, then be honest about that. Uh, because honesty is, is really a virtue when it comes to applications and interviews. It gives you credibility and it gives an interview panel confidence in you that you are someone who, who they can trust and put, and put their confidence uh, in you. And then the final thing I would say is, and it, it's something that usually crops up at interviews is to be to be aware of some of the most important issues uh, that are arising in the law at the time and that doesn't mean you have to read everything in the news it really doesn't it means that there are some headlines that you might want to be aware of so right now there's a lot going on with respect to brexit but i'm not sure anyone really wants to hear any more about that i mean we've got only a few days to sort out a deal, if, if at all. But it is something that, that may that may come up because it's obviously a very, very important issue. But there could be something else. Uh, for example, only the other week that the High Court gave an important ruling on the Harry Dunn case to do with diplomatic immunity. And that's a really interesting legal issue. But it also pertains to political and social issues. And I think making sure that you think critically about how the law relates to and interacts with other areas like politics, you know, like culture, like society, really matters because um, the law is, is not or well, does not appear in a vacuum. It's, it's, a, it's a product of, of the society that, that creates it. So having an understanding of the issues of the day is important. And that doesn't mean you have to be an expert, as I said, but it does mean you have to at least think about it and, and come up with some ideas 
of, of why things are the way they are and how things might be changed. Uh, that is true indeed. And most of the time, students are a bit fearful um, about this particular aspect of, of the interview because yeah. we wonder sometimes if, if our knowledge um, is extensive enough, if, if it's going to be adequate enough for you to answer those questions. But it does seem pretty clear that we, we do need to keep abreast of certain legal issues and, and what's going on in the news. Now, you're also a recipient of, of the Barcourse Scholarship. What did you find having the benefit of comparing the two scholarships? What did you find is different about the application process between obviously the Barcourse Scholarship and the, the GDL Scholarship? Well, uh, th- there, are, there are key differences. Uh, the first is that um, the deadline for the application is, is there's quite a difference actually between them. I think that the Barcourse Scholarship deadline is, is early November uh, and the GDL deadline is at uh, some point in early May. So there is there's a real difference there uh, in, in terms of the academic year. So it's really important that you, know, you have your attention turned to the Barcourse Scholarships because they really do come up very, very quickly in, in the academic year. But also really what what um, a Barcourse scholarship enables, because of course it's not just for students who haven't studied the law before, like the GDL scholarships. It's it's for everyone. But what it enables is, um, you know, you uh, if you've come from a GDL background like myself, uh, or indeed a law background, to encounter a, a vast array of, of different people who are interested in pursuing a career at the bar, and it's really interesting meeting different uh, scholars and recipients of awards uh, from Grays. But clearly, the bar course is a very important um, year. It's it's the final year before you're called to the bar uh, and before you you can, uh, if you secure one, uh, begin pupillage. So it's it's an award that that goes a long way uh, in helping you pursue that career path. And the other thing to mention is that the bar course is such an expensive course. Uh, I know it's been reduced quite significantly in recent years, and there are new providers on the scene like the. Inns of Court College of Advocacy uh, and the other providers have all reduced their fees, but it's still a very, very expensive course. Uh, and therefore, you you really do need to try um, and secure sources of funding to help get you through the year financially. I certainly know that, taking my own example, I wouldn't you know, be in a position to to pursue this career, but for the scholarship I received from, from Brazen to pursue the bar course. So, it's 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 a it's a huge honour to be the recipient of one, but it's also important that people recognise that uh, that they are hard fought, um, that you do have to put a lot of effort into the application, and and make sure that you know you're really focused on specific details about why this is the career that you want to pursue, and ensuring that you have enough evidence uh, gathered to 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 make real those claims. No. I know that people always may be a bit confused as to to what they can do to particularly strengthen that particular application. Yeah. Do you have any tips regarding what students can do to strengthen their bar course application? Well, I think it's it's quite similar to to what I said before with the GDL um, application. Um, that the, the two are, are very similar in format. Uh, I suppose for the bar course, it's even more important that you've got legal experience under your under your belt because where at the GDL stage you're encountering the law for the first time 
really you'd be expected if you're applying for a bar course scholarship to have, to have at least done a, you know some legal work experience uh, and, and particularly experience that relates to the bar so I, I cannot stress enough really trying to make sure that you know you you plan ahead because the scholarship deadline is in early November really make the most of the summer before that uh, in terms of experience that you can you can garner for for the career and it's also important to remember that you know there are so many different areas of the bar and actually you may not know when you're starting the the bar course that exactly what area of the bar you want to pursue but that's that's absolutely fine and it relates to what i said earlier about being honest um you may still be exploring your options but make sure that you at least have options to explore and the only way to to have those options is to make sure that you apply for different experiences and and stay active with with thinking about um about different op- opportunities uh, as they arise so i think that really the bar course application while similar to the gdl is is so so important to 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 get experience in there and um you know it, it just simply it, you know it's it's simply so crucial that you've you've got enough to to give the panel a, a sense of why you really want to do this in terms of the preparation for the interview would you say that the preparation was different to the to the gdl preparation or do you think it's it's unique i think it's quite similar near um the the gdl interview if i recall was was relatively similar in that we we had about 15 minutes or so to prepare either we had two different options we had to prepare one of the sort of topical debate questions before we went into to see the panel and i remember the exact same for my bar course interview so there is a similarity there uh, i would say of course <laughs> the issues aren't going to be the same because uh, they are topical so year on year they change and uh, they may well change on the different days that the the panels are conducting the interviews as well so so that's important that people bear in mind there might be something in the news that morning that has some relevance legally speaking that could be asked about during the interview so my my advice would really be to get up a decent time uh, on the day of the interview uh, make sure you're well rested of course always really important to get good sleep and then just have a browse of of the stories in the legal press and when i mean when i say that i, I don't mean specific stories related to you know one chambers what they're doing in relation to another the big the big news stories the the harry dunn cases and so forth because that that's going to be the subject of of the interview at the start and you just need to ensure that you know you're able to think critically about those issues from different perspectives because you'll be asked more than likely to take a position as to what what you would do in particular situation if you were a hypothetical lawmaker or why you think that a particular legal issue is is wrong or right so it's, it's thinking uh, in different ways about topical issues that is really going to help you prepare for the interview no that that's very helpful that's really helpful now nick i know that after you attained the bar course scholarship you would have went on to attain the residential scholarship why did you apply for this scholarship well yeah it's yeah i'm currently um a residential scholar at, at grays and uh i did I, I must i did move out of grays only the last few days because i traveled in the what was called the the student corridor which the government is allowing students to travel in after i got a 
um, a negative COVID test. So I'm very pleased to uh, to not have the, the virus to, to have got home safely um, so I can be with my family. But the residential scholarship is, is an amazing opportunity. It really is. And the reason why I applied was because um, I really wanted to, to situate myself within the context of the inn and the life of the inn and all that was going on. Obviously, uh, things have turned out quite differently to what I anticipated they might be this year, given everything that's going on. Um, unfortunately, there aren't as many people around as as we would like, um, and uh, you know, activities are different. Everything is is, is online largely, um, but it's still uh, it's still been absolutely fantastic to be based in the heart of London, um, a stone's throw away, literally from from Gray's Inn Library, and to to see what goes on in the heart of the inn. But the actual incentive for me applying really was based on my experience um, getting involved with the inn last year. I was one of the uh, debating coaches as part of the Vocalize program, which is the, the inn's flagship pro bono program. It's a really amazing uh, initiative uh, which takes students into prisons across London to coach prisoners how to debate, the art of debating, how to think like a debater. And then there's a, a build-up towards a final debate at the end of, of the program. And I must say the the quality of debates that you see is is outstanding, and um, it's it's really an amazing initiative because it, it gives it gives prisoners the opportunity to uh, voice uh, opinions uh, and to practice uh, their their advocacy skills and public speaking skills. Uh, and I think it's it's a great initiative, not just for the rehabilitation of prisoners, but also generally in in encouraging debate, which is such an important thing all over the world, I think. Um, and I also took part in the VISMOOT, the International Arbitration Moot, on behalf of the Inn, which was meant to take place in Vienna in April last year, or this year rather. Um, but of course, we we had to move it all online. So it's a slightly different experience to what we all expected. Uh, we were looking forward to a, a few days in, in Austria, but we didn't get that. But we still were able to take part. And uh, I think my experience of integrating different areas of the inn uh, and seeing what life was like, meeting uh, different practitioners who are members of Greys, uh, convinced me that living there for a year would be uh, an opportunity like no other. And I, I have absolutely no regrets. It's, it's been fantastic. That's great. Because I actually was, you actually just preempted my, my next question. I was going to ask you, how how is the residential scholarship uh, well, going so far? But we can clearly hear that you're enjoying it, living on the inn's grounds. And hopefully once this pandemic blows over or we do get that vaccine, you and you and I, we can go back to seeing how, how life at the inn per se was pre-COVID times. I hope so. Now, would you say that the application process for the residential scholarship was similar to the to the bar course application process? No. So there are real differences between uh, those two processes. The residential scholarship is really about what you can do to contribute to the life of the inn and the community here at Greys, because the bar course is focused on your your experience, your academic achievements, and it's really on on that merit that you will be awarded a Barclay scholarship or not. But the residential scholarship concerns those that are committed to getting involved with the inn and making sure that they play a role within the inn, uh, whether that be, for example, with, with 
the committee, uh, the Association of Grazing Students, of course, um, you and I are a part of, Nia, or it might be in some other way uh, with uh, the musical side of the inn. There's a fantastic chapel choir. The miscellany performance that takes place uh, every year before Christmas is much celebrated, uh, and rightly so. Of course, it's, it's all online this year as, as well. Or it might be, it might be some other aspects of, of your own background that you can bring to the life of the inn. But it's really about making sure that you give clear evidence as to why you're someone who can bring something to this community and why you want to live with others who, like yourselves, are, are trying to, to get involved and to, to be active in the life of the inn. Now, I know you would have highlighted some of the advantages of being a residential scholar, obviously living um, on the inn's grounds. But are there any others that you'd like to highlight? Yes. I mean, obviously, as you say, the, the inn is, is a beautiful place. It, there's no denying. I think the walks um, really some of the most beautiful green spaces in, in central London. I, I, it really is hard to find anywhere better. But uh, you also benefit, certainly in usual times, from being able to meet a number of practitioners, whether it be those that are just passing by at Hall for, for lunch, or in, as, as I said, in usual times for mixed messes and, and the dinners that are hosted uh, at the inn. And then there are other benefits too. You, you get to know the wider community here. So that's the, the education department, the, the porters, the, the gardeners, those that are around the inn every day, uh, working hard, particularly in the current circumstances. And I, I've really enjoyed the opportunity to get to know the people that are really uh, that are really here all the time and it's important to, to say as well that people do also live here it's not just a, a sort of barrister utopia people do have flats here many of which are, are senior practitioners have been at the bar a very very long time and it's it's quite interesting bumping into them uh, at the bins when you're trying to uh, uh, do your do your chores for the week on a sun- Sunday morning so that 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 makes for an interesting encounter, but honestly, there's a, there's a lot to to gain from from living uh, within a community like this. I bet you can't wait for COVID um, to clear up, um, so that you can <laughs> quickly can't. invite them over for a cup of tea. Oh, that'd be nice. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> now let's talk a bit about your role as Aegis president. What is the purpose of Aegis? Well, um, Aegis is the representative body of Grayson students, and that encompasses both GDL and Barcourt students. And I think there are three main purposes, I would say, uh, to Aegis. The first is to facilitate the, the student experience uh, for those who are members of the Inn, and that's through the organisation of, of socials uh, and events uh, that take place within the Inn and also online. So recently we had, uh, as you know, near we had a murder mystery event uh, which uh, was organized in conjunction with the barristers committee so it, it gave students an opportunity to informally uh, get to know barristers uh, on a zoom based murder mystery night um, but it was it was great fun and very well participated in the second purpose is to facilitate the learning experience of, of members uh, so something we've done this year and I'm really grateful uh, to the efforts of, of the committee is introducing uh, the Aegis webinars and these relate to particular areas of the bar. So we've got five panels on criminal law, public law, common law, commercial law and 
some other area of the law which I'm, which escapes me unfortunately I but we have family. got five I think family it's family you you're right Neil it is family law you're absolutely right but there you are and uh, you know it's been it's it's been really good to to see the committee put those together and I have to say you know the initiative that, that came from one of our bar course representatives Rosanna was to, to, to spearhead these panels something that I'm, I'm really grateful for and I think it's it's given the committee a, a, an opportunity to to involve themselves in in new ways especially as they're uh, separated in different parts of the world. And the final purpose of Aegis is to represent students and to make sure that they feel supported this year and also in any year that they're a student member of Gray's Inn. Uh, so we have, I mentioned, we've got specific bar course representatives, we've got a GDL officer, and we often uh, reach out to the different course providers with opportunities for them to share and circulate amongst their members. And also we, we, we make sure that, that our student voices are heard. And if they've got any issues with their providers, and I'm conscious that there are a number of issues right now in the online state of things, uh, that we can provide support for people that need it. Um, we have, for example, something I've installed this year, a, a, regularly, a regular support hour every week, and also uh, feedback forms that, that go around in the Aegis email newsletters each week so people can, can write in with suggestions or problems that they might be having. So we really have a lot of functions, but we're a representative body and uh, we do our best to serve students. And I'll just add to that, Nick, even as we are recording this podcast, students also have the ability to obviously contact me or Nikki directly to, to give some input on what they'd like to hear as well. So it just also facilitates that we try to reflect what people want to hear in our podcast as well. Mm-hmm. Now, could you describe your role as the president? Yes. So I'm uh, responsible for coordinating the management of the committee from the social side of the committee to the the more events side of, of, of things, whether that be the, the webinar panel series I just mentioned or collaborative events with the barrister community at Grays. And it also means that I, I, guess, I guess I have to really be communicating uh, all the time with different members of the committee and ensuring that, that they feel like they, they serve a purpose on committee. Everyone does. And I, I really want to stress that this year, that the people get involved and the organisation of these panels has, has, has enabled that to happen, I think. And the, the more uh, obvious role is, is chairing meetings. Uh, that's something that uh, we've been doing online, as you know, near uh, throughout this pandemic. And, uh, and finally, I think, uh, I like to think, you know, trying to inject some enthusiasm into the committee and making sure people feel valued. And uh, we've got something coming up, which is a Christmas-related secret Santa between the committee. So that's an opportunity for me to hopefully inject some more enthusiasm. They do say that Father Christmas is based on St. Nicholas. So I like to think that uh, I can sort of virtually <laughs> play the role and, you know, although I won't be there in, in person to hand out presents, we, we, can, uh, we can try and pretend that that's what's going on. No, I'm sure as uh, some of the committee members are definitely excited <laughs> to, to see the, <laughs> the cool gifts they receive. Now, are there any upcoming events? Now, I do know that we, we are still running the Explore the Bar series and yeah. we at least have two more panel events upcoming. And I think that's commercial and uh, public law and human rights. And human rights. Yeah. But do we have any more upcoming events? 
We do, yes. So very exciting is uh, that we're in the process of organising um, an inter-id, that's between Greys, Lincolns, Middle and Inner Temple, um, an inter-in scavenger hunt, which is something that uh, I was was confused how it would operate initially. Um, and uh, I thought this could be quite challenging logistically, but we, we are proceeding with it. And I think it's going to be really great fun. And we, we've worked out ways that we can make it happen. And uh, I don't think I will give the game away too much because we're still waiting to release the signups for this. But it should take place just before Christmas. It'll be the final social before Christmas. And it's also an opportunity for members of Greys to get to know members of the other inns. And I know that that's been particularly difficult during this time because people have been, you know, separated from their course mates, um, they're maybe studying at home and uh, they feel that they're not getting the opportunities they, they would have done to, to meet people. So this is, this is one way to remedy that. The other events we've got coming up in the new year include the final two Aegis Explore the Bar uh, panels. Uh, we've got the Public and Human Rights panel on the 7th of January, uh, and we've got the Commercial Law panel on the 14th of January. Uh, and as I mentioned earlier, those panels have been organised by different members of the Aegis Committee with particular interests in those areas of the law. And I'm really, really grateful for their efforts in putting these panels together with a range of barristers, both at the junior end of practice and the senior end, to allow students to hear uh, from practitioners about what it's really like uh, at the bar and, and they can put their questions to them in a nice informal setting. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to, to those events because I do know that the previous events were, were excellent and very well attended. Now, Nick, could you outline the role of Aegis Committee members within the inn? Yes, so there are different committees that Aegis members can actually sit on uh, within the inn. Uh, and that's really important because it gives Aegis members an opportunity to meet barristers, uh, different levels of seniority throughout the inn. So there are three main committees. The first is the events committee, and they're, of course, responsible mainly for uh, the organisation of, of events. It's been particularly difficult right now with the COVID circumstances, but hopefully we'll be able to put on some events in the new year towards uh, the summertime. We're hoping to do so. Uh, there's also the students committee, and that's particularly responsible for the provision of the student experience and understanding uh, what students can get out of their membership at Grays. And the final committee is the Grays Embarrassers Committee, and that's the committee that, that I sit on, uh, along with Fatima, uh, the, the Vice President of Aegis. And we're there to represent Aegis, we're there to represent the, the views and the, the needs of students. Um, and it's really important because the Grays Embarrassers Committee is made up of those that are also members of the, the Inns Management Committee. So there's, uh, you know, a real connection to the heart of the Inn and how the Inn is organised. Uh, and we can play a role by sitting on that committee in, in shaping the way that the Inn handles student affairs and serves the, the interests of students. And Nick, I, I do know that when you submitted your manifesto, you had quite a few hopes and aspirations for ages. Mm -hmm. What are your hopes and aspirations for ages for this academic year? Well, as you say, yeah, I did have a lot and uh, I'm really pleased that we're ticking off the list of, of the promises that I made on the manifesto. One thing that I wanted to do was to introduce a 
support our system, especially right now with the online world that we seem to be living in, I thought it was more important than ever that students felt that they were getting pastoral support from their committee. So every week uh, on a Friday afternoon, I open up a Zoom link where people can join and they could speak to me in private about any issues that they might be facing and any support that they need. And we also have an anonymous feedback form, which um, I mentioned earlier, and that's uh, circulated within our bi-weekly newsletter. And that other part I just mentioned, the newsletter, is something that I wanted to install because I thought we really needed to make sure that student members are regularly updated with the opportunities available, not just at the inn, but also within the, the student world of the bar. And so they, they feel that they, um, their committee is, is really on top of, of what's going on around them. My main hope and aspiration, though, is to really make sure that students feel supported and feel integrated uh, within the inn. Uh, and one way we're doing that, in addition to what I've just mentioned, is we're setting up, as you know, Nina, and you're responsible for this, uh, the Facebook and Twitter pages for Aegis, um, which will give us the opportunity to release materials about uh, our events, um, about how to get involved. And we've got a lot of opportunities to get involved, not just from our events point of view, but also the Student Law Journal, which is which is currently looking for new submissions. So there are there are a lot of opportunities uh, within Aegis and the the Inn. But I really want to make sure this year that the people know about those opportunities and feel that they're able to get them uh, because it's not an easy time uh, with a lot of mini pupilages cancelled and uh, it's all very it's all very different uh, this year. But we're we're here and, and we're giving the support that the students need. Now, if for some reason students can't make that student support hour on a Friday, yeah. how can how can they contact Aegis if they have suggestions, questions, or even any problems? Well, there's um, an Aegis email which they can they can use Aegis at grazing.org.uk, and uh, I will personally respond to to any emails that come through that 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 system. Always happy to uh, receive an email about any suggestions or any problems or concerns that people are facing, because it is a tough time. It's a really, really tough time. And I'll be the first to admit that, you know, studying the bar course online is, is not the easiest thing. I can't imagine studying any course is, is, is easy right now in online circumstances. But people can reach out uh, via the email. Um, they can also get in touch now through, we've got the, the new Facebook page that's being launched and the Twitter page. So we welcome interaction on social media. And uh, we, we are... We, we, we like to think we're always there for students 24-7 and obviously we're all very busy as well on the committee but a big part of our role is is pastoral support and, and representation of what students need. Indeed and it is true that you mentioned that we are in difficult times right now we're in tough times due to the pandemic so how, how has Aegis adapted to working in the pandemic? Well, it's 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 yeah, it's it's been a, a, an interesting experience for me. I've I've been involved with a lot of committees over the years, um, and it's the first time I've been organising uh, meetings solely online through the webcam. So that's different. But we have adapted really, really well, I think, to the the challenging circumstances. Um, and there are twenty four, twenty five committee members uh, on Aegis, so there are a lot of us, and we're. In different parts of the world, uh, genuinely in different parts of the world, not just in the UK, um, but in other areas too. And of course, we're all over the UK as well. So 
it's it's it makes for in some ways a logistical challenge but in other ways actually it's a great equalizer i think because we're all able to to get online and speak to each other uh, if we can if we can make the meetings and that's different to what it was before because obviously students study across the circuit in different parts of the country and it might be difficult for them to get to london with with trains being what they are and uh, with people's diaries being as busy as they can be so in that sense i think this year we've really done well to maximize um, the online experience and we're also making sure that we have regular communication through our whatsapp group chats i know that committee members are particularly excited about the secret santa that's coming up um, so we've been talking about that recently but aegis in general has functioned um really efficiently i think throughout this pandemic and we we've put on maybe more events than we would have done otherwise uh, because we can get people in one place online uh, through these webinars through the socials that we're organizing but of course we look forward to a time when we can return to the inn and meet in person as well that is true indeed. And I know that we have been having many meetings online and they're, they're always well attended. And I, I think that's fantastic. Yeah. Well, Nick, thank you for coming on to the podcast today. It's always a pleasure chatting with you. So thanks a lot. <laughs> no, it's my pleasure, Nick. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. Thanks for listening to the Raising the Bar podcast. Please subscribe, rate and review. And for more information, check us out on Twitter at RaisingTheBarGI.